Welcome to Sleep Well, Be Well with your host, Aaron Glick and Jessica Glick. And today we decided we were going to be talking about sleep hygiene. And we decided to break it up into two different components. So one being physical and the other being mental. So we're going to start here this first segment off with sleep hygiene. So these are some of the healthy habits you can use every day for your sleep. And um, we're looking in, in the more physical realm. And so, um, Jessica, why don't you talk about our first point? So the first point is to set a goal of getting at least seven and a half to eight hours of sleep a night. So you really need to consistently be going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time every day regardless of if it's a work day or a non-work day. The difference of shifting that schedule by one to two hours can really have a negative impact on your circadian rhythms and sleep quality. Yeah, and I, th I thought something was interesting too. Um, when So they actually found that above, I think it was 8.5 hours or eight hours, that above that amount, they actually had an increase in mortality, and then below 6.5 hours, they had an increase in mortality. So it's really, you know, actually sleeping too much for some reason is not a good thing. But obviously, we know a lot about sleep deprivation, things like that. That's obviously harmful to your body. So I think most people know that, you know, not sleeping enough is bad. But um, for some reason, sleeping too much is also a uh, there's a, a risk associated with that as well. Yeah, and it's also important to know how how well you're sleeping too because if you have fragmented sleep and you're waking up multiple times a night, uh, that's also not the best type of sleep. But that's for another conversation. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, That you could do a, a whole hour on just fragmented sleep and how that impacts everything you're right but that actually kind of goes into one of our other points that we had talked about um so fragmented sleep so like you know not having any pets or uh you know rambunctious kids that move a lot during sleep so yeah obviously that would cause i imagine problems with sleep yep so making sure that any unnecessary bed partners are sleeping in their own beds um, because that can impact your sleep if someone or something is moving around in your bed and waking you up. Another important thing is to make sure that you have a dark, cool, and quiet environment to sleep in. So making sure that the temperature is relatively cool. Uh, most people find 60 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit the most comfortable. And also making sure that there aren't any bright screens or dim lights in the room. You want to make the room as dark as possible. And you also want to make sure that you don't have any extraneous noise that could wake you up. So sometimes people find it beneficial to sleep with a noisemaker. Well, so what about, so I want to go back to the, you know, setting the thermostat. So I'm pretty warm natured. I like to sleep a little bit higher. 
temperature, obviously, than that. But um, what's kind of what? What? Why sixty to sixty-eight? I think that most people find it helpful to sleep in a cooler environment. It just keeps them more comfortable. Oh, okay. Well, I found that the literature says that too. Yeah, there's some papers on it. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So, um, and then what about screens? Like, so, so what type of uh, light and things like that are bad for you? So, any type of computer, TV, phone, screen that has blue light emitted from it is not and how would you how would you know if like there's blue light being emitted so so me you're giving me faces here so maybe it's like the blue leds right so pretty much every screen that you see has blue light which is every type of screen that i gave an example of except for ones that have a filter on it Right. So a lot of smart uh, TVs and smartphones, they have uh, the ability to turn off that blue light em emission. Um, so people can change the settings on those. Or you can put a screen in front of, like a filter in front of the screen to block out the blue light. But basically the reason why you don't want to be exposed to that blue light so close to sleep is because it can actually stimulate your brain and keep you from falling asleep. So a lot of people watch TV before they go to bed to help them fall asleep or they play games on their phones that can, that can actually stimulate your brain and make it harder to fall asleep. So making sure that you avoid any screen time one hour before your scheduled sleep time is recommended. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, what if someone wants to go to sleep and they're used to, uh, you know, just watching TV? What would you say to them? So, let's say a patient comes in to you and says, Oh, like, I, I have to do that because that's how I fall asleep. Like, what would your recommendation be to them? Well, I would recommend that they could watch TV before they go to bed, but make sure that they're not watching it in their bed. You know, doing all those sorts of activities outside of the bedroom. And then once they feel tired, to move into the bedroom. Because the bedroom is only supposed to be for two things, sleep and sex. So if you're doing work or if you're watching TV, those things should be done outside of the bedroom. I see. And then and then maybe also have a filter or something like that. So program their filter to go off on their TV. Yeah, night. or they can, if they really need to be comfortable in their bed and be watching TV, then you can change that setting on your TV most of the time to um, not have the blue light. Or on your smartphone, you can... On most smartphones, you can set a timer. Like after a certain time of the day, your screen will switch to um, like the night the night screen, which blocks out the blue light. 
Cool. And so what's the what's our next uh, component for uh, sleep hygiene? So we also want to make sure that we avoid eating heavy meals within two hours of going to bed as well as limit caffeine in the afternoons because those things can also make it difficult to fall asleep. So how does uh, having a heavy meal before cause it to be difficult to fall asleep? Well, when you're, I mean, I don't know, I mean, the science behind it completely, but I assume that one, you'll probably be full and so laying down after a heavy meal could cause reflux which can in turn be uncomfortable and wake you up from sleep especially if you snore um that can cause reflux and heartburn um but also if your body is working really hard to digest and um store all that energy it may also throw off your sleep in some way. And I don't know if the literature says anything about that, but you could weigh in on that, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I'm, I'm not really too familiar with the literature there. I'm sure this has something too, though. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and then, okay, so avoiding caffeine, obviously, I think most of us know that we have to avoid caffeine. But, like, um, you know, a lot of people I see like have coffee like in the like afternoon or something so when's like the time where you think people shouldn't have caffeine anymore i tell patients you know afternoon like 12 p.m to try not to have coffee or caffeine but definitely like before 3 p.m they should not have or after 3 p.m they shouldn't have anything that has caffeine in it um and yeah. tea is included in that as yeah well. oh yeah because it has caffeine in it definitely so <clears throat> yeah i think also a lot of people like maybe don't realize how much caffeine they have right i mean do you know like how much caffeine like what would like if you were to compare like coffee with um like a can of coke or something like that like how is that equivalent or is there more in a cup of coffee well, I think it also depends on how big your cup of coffee is and how strong your coffee is. Yeah, I guess traditionally a cup of coffee is like a really small amount that no one actually has in America. And yeah, like it's it's usually like six to eight ounces, which is like a tiny amount compared to what you get at Starbucks, like in a venti size cup. But um, the, the healthy amount of caffeine is, you know, like, one to two cups of coffee a day nothing like nothing crazy like three or four like if you're pounding down like four cups of coffee in the morning you probably are having some difficulty staying awake unless you just really like the taste of coffee yeah and in which case maybe decaf's better huh yeah although i guess people don't i don't know i'm not really a coffee drinker so <clears throat> um and then so you're gonna avoid having caffeine um after like noon you know i think the interesting thing there is that i think typically so with when we look at the circadian rhythm it's gonna you're gonna have an increased amount of sleepiness naturally around the 
two o'clock, like two p.m. time. And they've actually, you know, and then obviously when you're ready to go to bed, usually around when the sun goes down or a little bit later than that, like eight p.m. is usually when uh, people have a, a a sleepy period as well. But when you look at like the sleepy period around two p.m., they've actually linked that with we we see an increased amount of car accidents around that time because there's uh people naturally drowsy and so we have what you know drowsy driving which can lead to a lot of accidents and so that's actually caused you know quite a bit of accidents so kind of interesting cool well in addition to things that you shouldn't consume too close to bed, uh, alcohol is also something that a lot of people may feel help them fall asleep, which is true, but it actually can have a negative impact on sleep. Can you tell us a little bit more about why that is? Uh, no. Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> so alcohol is actually a stimulant. Well, no, it's a depressant. Sorry, it's a depressant. So isn't it a stimulant at low doses and a depressant at high doses? I think it's a depressant at any dose. Okay. But what's interesting is that yes, so it's a depressant. So it's a, a central nervous system depressant. So it will make everything slow down and help you fall asleep. But once your body is done metabolizing the alcohol. A few hours after you've fallen asleep, it can actually um, lead to you waking up at night and also finding it more difficult to go back to sleep. So yes, it might help you in the short term fall asleep, but it will disrupt the quality of your sleep. So it looks like we hit all of the, the physical components for sleep hygiene, so we're going to wrap up there. Okay. And we will reconvene and talk about the mental components of improving sleep hygiene in the next episode. Awesome. All right. So there you have it. We had a bunch of different uh, things that we can do to make our sleep better. Uh, and these are very easy things that anyone can do while um, uh, all they have to do is just be conscious of what you're doing. And, and it's very easy to fix these steps. If you have any questions, uh, comment on our podcast and we will put a summary of what we discussed in the show notes. Until next time.